I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which means I can actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lord of the Zorocha coming to you on Monday, the 30th of January for episode number 99. God damn it. We are almost there, boys. So, of course, as per the usual, we got Joe and Vince. How are you boys doing tonight? Sore. Yes. I still do that to you. Hey, I I have accomplished something that I'm very proud of. As of yesterday, I have a thousand achievement points in Skyrim. Okay. Way to go, Hoogs. <laughs> Listen, that's Ouch. that's an accomplishment. Ouch. That might have hurt more than the ice. Congratulations. Jesus. The difference <laughs> is I didn't get it in a weekend. Yeah, but still, you've been neglecting your girlfriend <laughs> just so that you can get a thousand points. So once again, way to go, Oogs. <laughs> of course his girlfriend is his right hand, but still. Anyway. No, even she doesn't want anything to do with him. Well, that's when he goes to his left. Uh, let's touch ever so briefly on some Star Wars news, and only because one of us felt the need to gush, because he didn't get a chance to last week. So you were talking about the bounty hunter quest that you were doing and absolutely digging it. Go ahead. Well, okay, so we're talking about how a lot of people are feeling like they're con- there aren't really consequences to their actions right now, right? Where they're they're feeling like the decisions they're making in their, you know, their quest things aren't really coming back to bite them in the butt. Well, I did a quest last night, and it was the Bounty Hunter quest on Quest. So if anybody's going to want it to not be spoiled, uh, don't listen now. Spoiler alert, people, spoilers. <laughs> Anyway, so what happens is there's one of the the end of Act One, your one of your quests is to actually take down a Jedi Master, and you have the choice of killing or letting his Padawan go. Well, she wasn't on my kill list, so I said, you know what, I'm not here to kill you. You can go and spread the word of my wonderfulness and how awesome I am at being a bounty hunter. So I go to Quest and I, and I get this this notification pops up and says, hey, we want you to be the spokesman for our you know our brand new Adrenal. Uh, Stimbu stuff and it's like we want you to come over for a meeting so I go in I go for the meeting and I go to sit down and all of a sudden a Jedi Master pops up on the hollow screen and it turns out it's Republic SIS and who comes out of the background but the Padawan that I had let go and so she's got a lightsaber across my throat and the guy's like you know are you going to surrender blah 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 and he gives you the choice and one of the options is to kill her and it's not a dark side point. It's just taking care of business. So what does my character do? He breaks her wrist as she's holding the lightsaber. She drops the lightsaber, takes her arm over his shoulder, breaks her arm at the elbow, throws her over the shoulder, steps on her throat, takes the blaster out, and pops her in the head. And then just goes through and completely decimates the SIS captain. 
and his little crew. And it was one of the most ridiculously badass things I've ever seen. It's like, well, I tried to be nice, but you know what? Screw you. You die now. And it was like this most horribly badass sequence. And imagine the fat bounty hunter with the mohawk and the, the, the weird chin tattoos being so unbelievably badass in that scenario. And I, I thought back to our, our interview um, and I was is like, you can really tell he is. It is definitely a space cowboy. And it was just so ridiculous. I'm actually sitting here giggling uncontrollably at it. It was so cool. See, for that one there, I, I've i just spent the last few days helping my son power level through um, all the Bounty Hunter, Bounty Hunter quests so that he could get his Blizz early. So he actually got his Blizz at level 33, which is like seven or eight levels early kind of thing. And he was happy as a pig and shit. He's just so happy playing with his Blizz. He spends all of his money to buy him companion gifts and everything. He loves them. The, the quest line for Blizz too, I gotta say, was a lot of fun. And, and the character is cool too. Like one of the first things he does is steal your freaking blaster from you through the doors. It's awesome. But, um, um, but I remember the quest that you're talking about. And because I've done a lot of the questing with uh, with Tristan on his bounty hunter, I, I I knew of the Padawan and all the other stuff kind of thing and, and what his choices had been. And when we got there, well, Tristan had already, he had killed her. So it was completely different for us when we got to that point. It did wind up being an all-out fight as well kind of thing, but it wasn't the level of awesome that you got, which also goes to show you that as opposed to what some people have you believe, it's not just choosing the dark side choices that are going to give you an epic story. It's sometimes going to be choosing the light side choices at points and, and how it then goes through later on. That's why you just oh, turn absolutely. those prompts off. Live happy. No, you can't do that. No, because the way that I look at it, though, <laughs> is that unfortunately, though, I'm going to bring somebody around to my No, you're not. Thinking. No, because the, the really cool, in my opinion, most of what I've seen so far, the really cool ones are either the light side options or the dark side options. The other ones are, well, the middle of the ground, which does happen Nothing. to be bland more often than well, I not. Don't, I very rarely pick the middle one. Just I don't go in with the preconceptions of what's the light side choice and what's the dark side choice. Right. But still. I can't be the only person playing this game that does that. I'm thinking you're one of the few. You are one of the few. I actually, I had a fantastic, I was telling Joe about it too, and you before the show, I had a fantastic quest this afternoon that I was working on on my Sith Inquisitor because she's been going through um, Belsavis. And I got to say, Belsavis is one of my favorite planets so far. It is unbelievably awesome it's just a it's a gorgeous planet and then you have it with all of these prisons all over it but they're busted out and broken and everything and then you have inmates all over the place in some cases you're 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 taking down inmates in other instances you are helping them rise up you're thawing some bastards out you're freeing these guys it is freaking awesome absolutely loved it and um and some of the questing that I've been doing has just been among the best that I've seen in the game. Not the best, but I mean, we're talking top 10 quests. Some of these are, I've just been blown away. And then one of the ones that I did just today, I literally had to escape out a couple of times because I didn't want it to end. It was so hysterical. Just one little bit. It was so, I don't want to say out of character, for my evil Sith Inquisitor, but it was just like, 
I can't believe you just did that. And like I was telling Vince, I actually installed Fraps. I, I escaped. I got out. I installed Fraps, downloaded it, installed it. I already had a license key, so I installed it. And then I recorded it a couple of different ways. And I will be compressing it and slapping it on YouTube. And then I'll put the link up on the site. But it was just one of those, oh my God, I can't believe this. And so we are seeing like little moments of that still. It's just been so much fun. So, Joe, you are up to, what, 35, 36 now? Uh, just about to hit 36. I'll probably hit that tonight easily. Right. Okay. Vince, what are you up to right now? Closing in on 41. Right. Where Actually, you... I, think I, I think I just got 41. Where are you at in the your class storyline right now? Um, I'm heading to Belsavis now. Okay. All right. Okay. I yeah. just finished the whole Act 2 thing. Yeah, it... As opposed to some of the other classes I've found, the, uh, and we were talking about this on the Droidcast, and um, we had um, Sinister and his wife were on, and we were all agreeing, like, a lot of the class quests, unfortunately, once you go past Act 1, some of them feel like they're somewhat disjointed, and it's just a bunch of stuff kind of thrown in, it's not a, a cohesive storyline, and I found that actually with the Sith Inquisitor, it was the exception to the rule, it was... It was cohesive. It did feel like you were continuing on this path. And it and I've really, really been digging it. So yeah, you're actually I know where you're going into for Belsavis. You are gonna have a lot of fun. Excellent. All right. So let's get away from that now. There was some Diablo three news that we wanted to talk about last week that we didn't get a chance to. So we'll tackle it now. Vince, you want to take this? All right, we have several very big changes being made to the game. It's still in its, quote, beta demo. And they've decided that they're just going to completely overhaul incredibly important massive systems to the game. Uh, running down the list quickly, no more scrolls of identification. The actual item has been removed from the game. You will still have to identify magical items you find, just that, you know, your character can just do that now. So, as they, Blizzard said, you still get the fun of the double discovery without the clunky mechanic of having the scroll around. So, if you like that, great. If you don't, great. Uh, the Mystic NPC has been removed from the game. The Mystic is the one that would enchant your weapons with uh, random magical effects. Uh, they decided that they didn't want two different types of equipment customization in the game. Instead, they're focusing all of their development time and energy solely on customization through sockets and gems. Uh, the Mystic is just gone altogether. Enchanting your weapons is not going to be part of Diablo 3. The Cauldron of Jordan and the Nephilim Cube, which were the items that allowed you to sell and or salvage your gear directly from the field, have been removed. Uh, they just realized that players were just not going back to town. Blizzard decided they wanted players to go back to town and interact with the NPCs there more often. So taking those two mechanics out of the game. Yeah, but Stats, why? Why? Why I does it just, matter? I'd, I don't know. They don't want to force I'm you into town. Well, no, but what I'm I'm saying is oh, I'm just trying to start conversation for Christ's sake. <laughs> 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 what I'm thinking is I can appreciate that from an MMO perspective where you want people going to mm -hmm. town more often to interact and all that, but this is just going to be in games by yourself or with, you know, three other people kind of thing, or maybe more. It doesn't matter if you're going back to town. All you're doing is you're creating an inconvenience for the gamer. Stretching out playtime is uh, how it would be described yeah. in almost any other game. Yeah. Well, it, it, it almost seems like they're approaching it like an MMO in that regard too. You know what I mean? Like, But they shouldn't. It, they shouldn't, but it seems like they are. Yeah. I mean, I correct me if, you, if you're wrong. 
Like, I, I just, I don't understand why they would, I, and I can appreciate what you're saying about stretching it out, but to me, this isn't stretching it out as much as really making it a, a complete inconvenience for, for the player. And to, that to me is just counterproductive. Yeah. Okay. All right. Aside Sorry to have, dis- to, to have bothered no, you. No. I, I <laughs> feel really that, bad that, that, that I inserted my conversation, my, my hopes that, of a conversation with you. That was a positive interjection that had nothing to do with sock puppets. I approve. And, and, yeah, and it didn't make fun of you either. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a rare one. Live it up. Yeah, woohoo. <laughs> All right. Stats have been retooled to focus on a single stat for each class. Uh, barbarians are going to have strength, demon hunters and monks with dexterity, and intellect for wizards and witch doctors. So uh, no more mixing and matching stats uh, like in previous Diablo games. Uh, now, basically, you're just going to pump one stat for your character. It allows them to really home in on uh, gear for classes instead of having, okay, this... Uh, weapon for the demon hunter has strength on it or dexterity having those complex choices it's just very straightforward now it allows them to really customize their top tier gear specifically for a class but do you think that that is something that's good as well when you are dumbing down the gear that much that people can't mix and match and min max their stats as they want to they're pretty much forced into one stat or like we're seeing this in other games too, really, and I I don't think that's a positive thing myself. I I understand how it's going to make it a lot easier for I don't want to say noob players, but let's be honest, we all have been. But it's certainly not something that I mean. If you if you've played the crap out of D two and other similar types of RPGs kind of thing, and you enjoy being able to play with your spec and and your stats as you want to when when you're faced with something that's so unbelievably dumbed down i don't see that myself as a positive thing i'm inclined to agree it's similar to what we have in the old republic with each class having its primary stat but at least in the old republic you have the secondary stats to balance that out like especially as a tank i have to juggle defense rating absorption rating uh shield rating all these other things or if you're melee crit uh, accuracy surge all these things which is something that they've also taken out of Diablo 3. All of the secondary statistics have been removed. No more attack, no more defense, no more precision. So it's single stat for each class now. Yeah, see, I think I, I hate that. Well, see, it doesn't just have an impact on um, your ability to roll your character how you want to, but what it also does is it's going to have a huge impact on the economy as well because there's going to be a, a, a few of the classes just by virtue of the fact that it has to be that way, that are going to be more popular than all the others. So you're going to have more people playing those, which means that if you ha- if if gear lands for those classes, they're going to sell a lot better on the, the auction house. Whereas mm-hmm. anything else, if you know that there's not a lot of people playing them, well, it's going to be just vendored off and just trash. Nobody's going to care about it. So it's, it's, Again, it, it it's far reaching the scope of how this is going to impact on the game, and in my opinion, in a negative way. I'm almost insulted by it, honestly. Like, it just not just this in general, but or this in particular, but in general, like the moves to simplify and everything. Have some faith in your gaming culture. Like, I understand you want to make it more accessible, but there's ways to do it without simplifying it too much. And this, to me, screams of simplifying it way too much. And like you said, it's going to cause potential imbalances later, especially, like you said, if strength gear becomes the hot commodity because everybody wants to play the barbarian, 
well, that's going to unbalance that. And, you know, it's just going to become a little too complicated down the line for other aspects of the game. And I understand that they don't want people to, like, worry about their gear, but that was part of the fun of Diablo. exactly. You know, customizing. When I had a Javazon that was stacking intellect because she was just throwing lightning bolts everywhere. That was was interesting. That was fun. It was fun and it was interesting yep. in different ways to play the character classes. Oh, that's and that's huge because part of the fun with Diablo 2 was in creating brand new characters just to play them differently. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest, the game has been around for over a decade for a reason. And when initially you played the crap out of it for the first couple of years, you pretty much covered everything. So then at that point, it just became a, like you said, the Javazon, which I did that as well, and all kinds of different specs on all the classes. And it was just how fast can I level this tune, you know, to 99 using this whacked out build or whatever. And, and sometimes you found gold in doing so. And it was fun with something like this. Let's be honest. If there's not going to be a secondary stat and there's only going to be one stat per class, what's the point of having a stat per se? Why not just have gear that says <laughs> plus barbarian plus two? Yeah. Plus two barbarian. What, what's the point in actually naming it anything else? Because it's literally it, it's that's what it is. It's just going to be gear for that class, regardless of what it is. And okay, it gives you plus five. Okay, well, that's that. I got nothing. I absolutely agree. All right. And then just beyond that, uh, they said there's plenty of other things that they're still working on. And if they're making this many huge sweeping changes to the game when it's supposed to have already been out. <laughs> I can't even begin to imagine a release date for this game at this point. I am just really happy that I'm not actually paying money for this game at this point. Just going to throw that out there. It might be out before your one year. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. I, it's funny because, I mean, all we have to do is listen back to prior episodes where we were all so excited for it initially. And then the more that's being said about this, the more I am, Oh my God, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. I mean, I'm looking forward to some of the other stuff we're going to be talking about today, but this is like, I really don't care. I'm, I'm hoping that it takes a long time to come out just so that by then, hope, hopefully they'll be listening more to the communities and actually fixing what they think they're fixing in the game. Help me torchlight to say, my only hope. Was, yeah, really. I was going to say, all I have to say <laughs> about Diablo 3 is how about that torchlight too? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Okay, let's move away from there then. Let's touch on some Mass Effect 3, talking about a game that we are all looking forward to. The, we got some news on that as well, too. They were talking about the uh, the class system breakdown. Now, that being said, maybe I just didn't dig enough in. I, I didn't see anything different, really, to speak of. It's it. That's the thing. It's not really that much different. The really the, the important thing to take away from it, I think, was the multiplayer aspect of it, right? Because we were, we we're kind of curious how... Uh, it was going to work out because when you pick your shepherd, when you when you start the game, you pick what you're going to be, whether it's going to be the infiltrator or the vanguard, or whatever the case is. Uh, one of the interesting things that I took away from it was the news that in multiplayer, you can swap your class on the fly. And I thought that was kind of interesting because you don't see that very often. You kind of I mean, Team even Fortress with it, it, well, Team Fortress, Team Fortress 2, 2, sure. But name another one. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just saying, Team Fortress 2 did it yeah. did it a long time they ago, did it, and, and they did, did it a damn good job. Beautifully, yeah. So, no, no, I'm not. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm saying it's good. No, more, it more games should be trying to do something like that. Absolutely agreed. 
but that said, I mean, there really wasn't anything too new. It's just for people that may not be uh, very familiar with the classes or maybe only played a few of them, like you played nothing but Soldier all the way through and maybe want to branch out into one of the other classes when you go through or Mass Effect 3. Um, it does, when you click on it, it does give you the breakdown of the abilities with the pur- purpose of the, of the classes and things like that. It was a nice, quick click-through, and it was very streamlined, at least from IGN's website, because uh, sometimes Bioware's websites are not very easy to navigate, and trying to find what you're looking for can be a bit of a pain in the ass. But it'll be there for people that maybe want to just click it and see, okay, well, what does the Vanguard do? And just, okay, I just want to know just that. Well, you know what I think this is going to do, though, which I think is good. Uh, As we saw when Mass Effect 2 came out, a lot of people like to play the game over and over again doing different things. It is the same thing as the Old Republic because of the morality choices and the different play styles and things like that, that you can play it again and have a lot of fun. And it's slightly, and in some cases, quite a bit different kind of thing. So... What this is going to do, though, in my opinion, is that it's going to make it so that people are going to be more open to trying out different classes and not just, you know, different uh, morality choices and different companions and different gender, but really, okay, well, now that I've gotten to do some multiplayer and I've gotten a handle on the Sentinel, now I feel more comfortable actually doing the actual game as a Sentinel. So I foresee a lot more playthroughs because of this, which is what they want. The one thing I did find interesting here is how they mentioned that weapons are not going to be restricted by class anymore. Uh, They said the soldier is the only one that can still carry the entire arsenal into battle at one time, but it's no longer restricted. So if you're um, an infiltrator and you want to swap out your dinky little pistol for a shotgun, you can do that. and It it will allow you to further customize your playstyle. I don't think they should. Call me crazy, but I liked that there were some restrictions and some specialties in that, you know, your infiltrator was a long-range shooter, and that was the whole point. Well, you still have the the class uh, buffs to the various weapons, and I'm sure things will Uh, still work better with their home classes, but I like at least a little bit of flexibility in there. You just I'm, I'm going to go with Roger on this one. I really I, I'm I'm going to side with the uh, the angry Frenchman. Uh, I liked the way it was. I liked that sort of level of restriction, uh, not because it was just that limiting, but because it forced you to. Uh, I don't want to say immerse yourself in sort of that character class's limitations, but you got to get pretty intimate with some of the cooler weapons that you might not have considered. Uh, when you're playing a, like the Vanguard and you got that nice little combat shotgun and you're charging in. I mean, honestly, if you had the choice between that and some of the other guns in Mass Effect 2, would you still choose the shotgun? I don't know. Well, that's different. The The shotgun is the Vanguard's uh, primary Specialty. weapon. Yeah. Right. I, I'm just saying, you know, if you're, you know, an adept, you have something to carry into battle other than a stupid pistol that does jack all for damage. Sure. But I mean, maybe opening it up a little bit, I think would be OK. But opening it up that much, I'm I'm skeptical. I'm not skeptical. It may very well work, but all I'm saying is that I don't like it. And that's based on just opinion before the fact. I mean, once we play it, maybe I'll get spoiled, which is likely to happen and say, oh, this is awesome. But no, for now, I'm thinking, no, I like that there were those restrictions. And those restrictions are what defined your play style. Again, using that that Vanguard as an example, my Vanguard, I had to learn that play style. I wouldn't have by default done it. And it took some work, too. Here's a game that I I didn't enjoy it early on because of how difficult it was. And it took a while to get a handle on how it works and everything. And then once I got it, it was like, ha, ah, it clicked. Okay, now I got it, and it's fun. 
But I like that I had to force myself to learn a diff- an entirely different play style because I'd done the infiltrator before that, which is the easiest one to do because you stand at a distance and just snipe, which is a ton of freaking fun. And there are, of course, other little nuances with the class as well, but it, it is very, very easy compared to some of the others. So I like that. And especially in multiplayer, I want there to be differences because, again, let's go back to Team Fortress. Well, it's the same they, kind of thing. they have, I'm sorry, they, they have said that your weapons will be restricted in multiplayer. Oh, okay, good. Well, see, then that's, that, I'll be fine with that then. Because it, it is something, if they can do it the same way as Team Fortress 2, where you are playing the class that's needed by your team in a given moment, then it will be something where, okay, we need a sniper on the roof over there kind of deal, and somebody plays an infiltrator to go and do that. I, I really like that. I don't want it to be that, you know, any Yahoo will say, oh, I'll do it, and, you know, it's a freaking adept who's going up there with a sniper rifle. I don't want that. Okay. That's okay. it? We done? I think that's it for that one. Yeah. I still, you know what? I still haven't ordered it, but I think I'm, I am leaning towards actually the PC version just so that I can import all my plays and it'll yeah. look better on the PC anyway. Cause I want my freaking renegade chick back. She was tough as freaking nails. I loved her. Okay. Let's move on to some of the news that we've gotten this week. We did get some news that Alan Wake is actually coming to the PC. I'd read that as well. And, um, I don't know. It's 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 been a while, so at this point, I'm, I'm not really going to play it again. But it's awesome for whoever doesn't have an Xbox and didn't get a chance to play it. It's freaking awesome game. I think that's really the big point about it too, right? Uh, it was one of those things where when we first heard about Alan Wake and we were all excited about it. We finally got to play it. We fell in love with it, and people couldn't play it if they didn't own a 360. Uh, being Microsoft IP, they could go ahead and put it on the PC, but the PC version kind of that we were talking about and that we heard about for all that time just kind of disappeared. Like you didn't hear about it. And now all of a sudden we we find out that not only is it going to be released as a boxed PC game, not like a, a digital download through Microsoft Live or anything like that, but an actual physical copy, it's also going to have two of the DLCs, the Signal and the Writer, included with it. Uh, which is kind of cool for the people that maybe, you know, have missed out on it in the 360 and want to play it on their PC, which I'm sure it's going to look absolutely gorgeous on the PC. And honestly, I think the control scheme would work better for PC oh, yeah. controls anyway. Uh, I'm I'm kind of, personally, I'm happy about it because I gave my Alan Wake copy away to somebody who hadn't <laughs> played it on the 360 because it was a gift and it was one of those things where it's like, you've never played it before, here, my friend, to be enlightened. And... Loved it so much that I just let him keep it. So I'm probably going to pick up the PC version. Why? I do like the game. I'll probably play through it again. And I think it's kind of cool for the, like I said, for those people that didn't get the chance to play it the first time around, don't own an Xbox 360, doesn't matter. You got a PC, here you go. Go ahead and play it. If it, if it had come out sooner, like if it had come out shortly after the uh, the 360 version, I would have picked it up on the PC. Without a doubt, I would have. Because I, again, I'm primarily a PC player, so I would have really enjoyed it on the PC. But having gone through the entire thing on the 360, it ain't going to happen. Now it's just waiting for American Nightmare. Yeah, Hopefully they don't wait two years to announce the PC version of that. Yeah, really. Okay, let's move on from there. We had some other news as well. There was Skylanders. Vince, you were writing about that, weren't you? Uh, no, actually, that was, that was Joe, Joe, but yeah, I was making run it. <laughs> I will let Joe talk. Uh, Skylanders is one of those games that was one of the latest ones in the Spyro adventures. Uh, and it incorporated this interesting little reader where you collected miniatures or you bought miniatures in packs 
and you put the miniatures on the reader disc and it translated to characters that you could play in game. So it was kind of interesting because it allowed you to customize the character that you got to play through by actually going through and picking it. It was an interesting money-making scheme, but the technology was kind of cool, right? And it was basically, it's like this uh, platform, I'd say it's about maybe three inches in, in diameter. And it's kind of cool. And they're talking about introducing that into the Wii U, uh, into the whatever they're calling it, the Wii, Wii U remote, whatever they're calling it. But it's kind of cool because it could introduce uh, other games that will allow for that sort of gameplay, right? Uh, maybe card games that allow you to, you know, throw down a card or something that interact with it how cool would it be to have like let's say magic, magic the, the gathering, gathering. Oh. yeah and have and be able to throw your cards down on that tablet and have them interact with it so you can actually play the card game against the computer without having to point click point click you can actually just play cards uh, it just it's kind of interesting in that way and it opens up the technology uh to other avenues or other you know sort of ips it's interesting to see what might come of that in the future. What was sure, that? Be, what was that card game? The card game that was a, a cartoon for kids I've, years ago. Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh. Was that the one where you slapped down the card and the freaking the creatures came to life in like a hologram? Yu-Gi-Oh. Was yeah, it? Yu-Gi-Oh was the first one. My kids made me watch that shit, and <laughs> I still have those cards because at the time I was playing Magic: The Gathering with my eldest son, and then my youngest son, yeah, it is Yu-Gi-Oh, was into you the Yu-Gi-Oh stuff so we got those cards I still have that shit and uh but that's you know what <laughs> 2012 people get to work okay <laughs> we need that kind of shit where you can have a freaking an actual card or something that you put on a, a, a device that'll read what it is so that on the TV you're actually seeing your creature battle and do something well they had a game that came out. I forget if it was the PS2 or the PS3 a couple years ago. I think it was called Eye of Judgment, where it used yeah. a PlayStation camera yeah, but and that did was exactly that. Not, oh, I didn't say it was good. No, yeah. it was been done. It could have been done better. <laughs> Maybe if it was done better, we'd see more of it. Yeah, because there's no reason not to do something awesome like that. Come on, look at the technology we got now. All right, so let's move away from there. Uh, there was also some Darksiders 2 news as well, because we're getting more information about that coming out in the summer. Yes, uh, we've, they're finally starting up their uh, media machine for Darksiders 2, uh, quite possibly the last game ever to come out of THQ, but that's a different story. <laughs> we've gotten previews and videos and all kinds of cool stuff, um, just really getting into the game. Uh, a couple videos that they released over the last uh, week or so. The first one is a very simple one. It's called Death Eternal, and it just tells the backstory of death, how he's the oldest of the horsemen. He's been around since the beginning of time. And it's all told through these various art styles showing this masked soldier in various wars, uh, World War II, the American Revolution, you know, all over the place. Just amazing music really, really sets the tone for what we're going to see in Darksiders 2. That leads into Death Rises, which is an actual trailer uh, explanation of what's going on in Darksider 2. And they're really focusing on how much of this game is different from the first one. It follows the same formula, you know, that Legend of Zelda type game. But they're really homing in on what makes Death so different from War. How War, he was very honorable as a warrior. He, he was essentially a blunt force instrument that, you know, was used. Whereas death, he's more calculating, more elegant, you know, more 
from the shadows. As I say, he's an, he's an arrogant character. He knows he is the biggest badass on the battlefield, and he just enjoys it. And just looking at everything they're doing to the game, the sequel, for lack of a better term, has leveled up. And huge environments, amazing characters. I cannot wait to get into this world. Uh, they've shown off a few other things about death. Um, the game takes place alongside the first one, not after it, so it's not necessarily a sequel, uh, where War had the Havoc form, where he turned into the giant red demon. Death has his Reaper form, which just looks cool as hell. <laughs> one of the best parts of the first game was The Watcher, of course, voiced by Mark Hamill, and, of you course. know... The, the, the Navi type character. Well, Death has a similar mechanic and it's a crow that just perches on his shoulder and its name is Dust. And yeah, he'll give you hints, but it's not going to be like, hey, over here, numb nuts. No, it's, you know, just the bird will fly over and land on something. So it's a much more subtle and yet very fitting for the character. Death, he's just more agile. He runs across walls like the Prince of Persia. Uh, he dual, he can split his scythe in half and dual wield two smaller ones Death is just fucking awesome. I really can't <laughs> wait to get a hold of this game. Me too. I'm actually really excited about it. I wasn't originally, like, it was one of those things where I liked Darksiders, but I wasn't too keen on it. Like, it was just one of those things where it was like, eh, it's okay, it's fun, it's entertaining. But this one, I'm like, wow, this actually looks really entertaining. Like, it's my, it's my type of gameplay, you know what I mean? And I think that's really the important thing, at least to me. And, well, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's, it's, it's so far advanced from what we saw mm -hmm. in one at least it's what one it appears, was you know what i mean oh yeah one one was very brute force they said it they said it absolutely perfectly there you know what i mean and the fact that it was brute force that really came to play you couldn't you could tell that's what it was and this one i like the subtle gameplay i like the the prince of persia style running on the walls i like the, the sort of cold calculating method that you have to move through the world that really speaks to me so I'm excited for that now, like hearing more about it. This is going to this went from a eh to a I'm going to have to own this game. It just has so much style. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so from one game with style to another, let's talk about Reckoning because there were some in videos that came out. We're getting a lot more interviews now. They are really ramping up for Reckoning. The uh, the boys have been doing interviews with a whole <laughs> bunch of different places. There are some on uh, on Amazon as well. If you do a search on Amazon, you'll see some from them. Um, but yeah, we've been hearing a lot more from Kurt as well as the rest of the crew talking about what we can expect, what went into the game and, and everything else. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch all of them i've seen some hilarious ones with kurt on espn because he's talking about it everybody's just kind of looking at him you know what's funny is that so many of especially ball players are gamers and whatnot but if you're going and you're talking to you know the the presenters and different things like that a lot of them have no fucking clue what you're talking about <laughs> unless you're talking about a madden game or something but heaven forbid an rpg but uh but no i love hearing him talk about this shit Okay, I guess that's my cue. <laughs> really? It's going to be episode Sorry. 100 I next know. week. <laughs> Dude, I'm the one that's medicated tonight, not you. I am awesome. All right. Well, we have one <laughs> yeah, of the really? things that I pointed out was a great okay. interview that Kurt Schilling did with uh, this podcast called The Final Score Show, which I'd actually not heard of before, but it's apparently uh, the same guy that did the instance with Kurt uh, for so many years. That's. Uh, so they had a great rapport going on and they got past all the normal BS and was just talking about the game and so much that we've already heard before. So I'm not going to go over that. 
just a few interesting tidbits that I got out of this. First of all, Ken Rolston, the mad scientist behind this game, is if you're reading around and listening, played the entire game for two whole weeks without ever speaking to a single quest giver. Just to see if the game was fun without the quests. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> And Schilling and 38 Studios have such a grand plan for Ambler. We know uh, Reckoning. Uh, he also talked about Reckoning 2 is happening. Uh, Project Copernicus, the, the MMO. Uh, he's not done there. He wants Ambler to be present in strategy games, in tabletop games, collectible card games. If there is a thing you could put Ambler in, he wants it there. They are going all in on this franchise, and I absolutely love it. I want to see cards. It's obvious, but come on. <laughs> I want to see cards. a trading card game with this shit because it lends itself to that type of play. I mean, again, we've, we've seen some trading card games that don't work and uh, especially some that stray a little too far from the Magic the Gathering formula kind of thing. But think of Magic the Gathering with slight twists and things like that with what we've seen and heard so far of Reckoning. And my God, it screams out for it. It would be so bloody awesome. Mm -hmm. A lot has been said over recent weeks about various glitches found in the demo. Uh, personally, I didn't have any issues with it, but it happens. Uh, we find out that the demo was, they gave the entire game code to a third-party company three months ago, and they did what they did to craft a demo out of it. So that is nowhere near final code, and as I say, there are so many glitches in the demo that weren't even present in the full build code at the time. So just from chopping things up, files got misplaced, things happened. So uh, most, most, if not all, of the glitches and problems people had in the demo will not be present in the full game. I at just least hope the art assets look better. That's all I care about in the conversations. Mm -hmm. If they can fix that, I dude, I was all right with the rest of it. Mm -hmm. uh, talking about downloadable content, of course, very important today, and especially for a game like Reckoning. <laughs> how they're talking about how they have plans for the DLC that are so outlandish, EA flat out told them it couldn't be done. <laughs> it's too big. It can't be done as DLC. 38 Studios went, that's great. We're doing it anyway. So expect some incredibly huge uh, downloadable content packs for the game. And they just really want everything in Amalur to be memorable. Characters that you meet in this game will be present in Copernicus and Reckoning 2. Classes and uh, races that you could not play in Reckoning will be playable down the road. They're just building and building and building to just make this a huge, huge thing. They're making a complete world. Like they're not just stopping. They're like we 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 knew that was going to happen when we we heard about who's on the project, and you can really start to see that. Like especially in that interview, uh, when they're talking about the future, I, I I'm sold on this IP. As long as they have the money to back it up. Right now, yeah. EA spent most of the money on Star Wars, which is probably why they're backing down for from some of the stuff that they're talking about wanting to do. As long as the money can keep flowing, they'll be all right. Well, EA and 38 are doing everything in their power to get Amalur out there. It's even, they said, it's going to have a Super Bowl commercial, which is not cheap. Yeah, and really. you do not see for a game like this. Mass Effect, sure. Call of Duty, absolutely. Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, it's no. unheard of. Uh, doing the talk show circuit, of course. Uh, Jimmy Fallon has been really great to a lot of games uh, over the last couple of years. Also making appearances with Kimmel and Conan. One thing that I found was really cool is they were actually sending out copies of the game to internet uh, 
personalities. Uh, he mentioned Day Nine and Husky from you know the StarCraft scene. Basically, these people who have these huge audiences and huge followings, they're sending them copies of the game and they're agreeing to stream it uh, the day it comes out. And that is a huge, huge audience that no other game has captured thus far. And I think that's a great move and great awareness of their audience uh, on 38's part. Yeah, yeah, they they are being smart about it. But again, Kurt Schilling's not an idiot. If you look at everything he's done business-wise and for charities and different things like that, the man is intelligent. He, w- he wasn't just an amazing pitcher. So that's why, again, I keep thinking, as long as the money can keep flowing into this studio, I have every faith in that studio growing into something as big as a lot of the other big boys that we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really great to see the commitment that uh, they're making to this franchise at this point. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's talk just ever so briefly about this rumor of an awesome freaking game <laughs> by Rocksteady Games. How 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 reliable a rumor is this? Let's on a scale of 1 to 10. Personally, I'd put it at around a 7. Good enough for me. Because Dude. <laughs> this 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 website, the Paul Gale Network, they've come out with some batshit crazy rumors over the last couple of years. And they've been right. They they were the first ones talking about Title Fight, the uh, the Sony Super Smash Brothers game. Completely outlandish. It it exists. It's coming out. So, I have, I don't want to say complete faith in the source, but goddamn, at at this point, if they're not doing it, they have to do it. <laughs> if they can do for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles what they did for Batman with Arkham City, oh my God, that would be brilliant. Just freaking brilliant. And yeah, that's uh, the rumor is that Rocksteady Studios next game is going to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Manhattan Crisis. And I've brought this up to several friends of mine, uh, some of which, you know, they, they all, they're all around the same age as me. So they, have, they know the Ninja Turtles and they can't grasp putting the Ninja Turtles into that same style as oh, Arkham City. Dude. And I, I told them really? flat out. Go read the first five issues of the new comic book, then come back and tell me that. <laughs> Man, go read the original series, yeah. and then come back. Not this watered-down crap that we got with the guys in costumes eventually with the shows. Read the actual series, and no, I can easily see them doing for them what they did for Batman in Arkham City. That kind of gritty feel that looks gorgeous and everything. Oh my God, that would be, oh, oh, dude, I read that and it was like, there was a little happy boy in me that says, do it, do it, do it, do it, please. (laughs) And even talking about, as part of the rumor, they're saying that you get to play flashback segments with Master Splinter and Hamato Yoshi. I'm like, oh my God. Nice. Rocksteady, if they haven't even considered it at this point now that they're seeing how many fans want this they need to be at least behind the scenes putting this into motion because this is amazing that would be incredible and if they took their time and they actually allowed you like look at what being able to play as as uh, Catwoman did for Batman 2. We thought initially it'd be flaky, but then you actually do it, and it's like, hey, this is actually fun. I like the different play style. I like the different questing and stuff like that. Imagine, again, the different questing that you could get based on which turtle you choose again and things like that. That would be... It, it just lends itself so well to what they've done with, with Batman. It'd be awesome. And it's a perfect time, too. Sorry, uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, as long as I don't have to swim under the dam and disable the bombs. Oh, God. As long as there's no sharks. 
But Vince hit, hit hit about the the comic books, and those have been really well done. Oh, Jesus, the turtles and are making a comeback. The turtles are making a comeback, and they're not making a comeback in the same way that you know the pizza cowabunga '90s that we were used to. They're coming back closer to their roots, and I'm quite okay with that. Quite okay. And hell, I love it. the The fact that they're actually doing the stuff that I that I love the IP for, like making fun of uh, Electra and the Hand. Uh, and you're starting to see like that, you know, those those sort of overtures and things like that. And it makes me happy. That's what I loved about it. And I want that. I want that game. I want that game where I can choose one of my, you know, one of my four favorites. Of course, I'll be playing is Donatello, but that's me. And I'm going to have to go like, I want that. I want that level of like Batman awesomeness <laughs> for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I want to storm the Technodrome. I want to go through and I want to actually like be whipping the shit out of bad guys on the street. I want to run across Casey Jones when I don't know him and get into a fist fight with him. I, I want, I, I, I just, I want it. I want this game. Please what, make this happen. What I want too, though, and this is where it's going to be difficult for them. Although, I mean, Batman is a T. A teen title but it's not you're still not seeing the level of violence that they could potentially be doing with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle because I do want something that has more realistic violence in it I mean if you're swinging a freaking sword it should be going through people I would like to have that level of immersion that that is more violence for them but it would fit with the character so it wouldn't necessarily be a game for kids which is what's going to be hard for them to market but if they could do it oh my god that would be brilliant Okay, that's that, that's like that's like twice in a row. I thought you were gonna laugh me out of a show for putting Ninja Turtles in it. No, no, <laughs> turtles are all right. It's when you keep putting the freaking Transformers in. Come on, and freaking. What was the last time I brought his, up Transformers? Freaking Power Rangers. Come on, Jesus guys, you're embarrassing me. Okay, we're gonna actually close out the show with one piece of news, and I know that we actually probably could have done half the show on this, but. Really, I just wanted to do a little bit on it. And that is, of course, the legal crap going on right now with Terra. This is this is actually huge. This is, scary. This is really scary. scary. We may not see Terra in the over here in the North America. And Ever. and that is freaking a disappointing as hell. But then when you start to really dig into a little bit more and find out that you know, some of the people that left NCSoft were charged and convicted of theft. So if, in fact, it is true that a lot of what we've seen in Terra was to be developed by NCSoft, I'm of the opinion that they've every right to be steamrolling this game. As much as I can't wait to play it, I kind of got to side with them. So to actually give you a little bit more information about it, though, Joe, go ahead and run it down. Okay, so basically what ended up happening is uh, some people remember Lineage and Lineage 2, some people fondly, some people not so much. It was NCSoft's big fantasy setting. It was World of Warcraft in their world, but much more, quote-unquote, realistic. Um, it, it was originally supposed to happen is apparently uh, what we know as Terra was going to wind up being... Lineage 3. Uh, a lot of the same art assets uh, seem to be popping up, including the world map and the regions where they're, where they're specified. Uh, the race listing, which looks very similar. Uh, you have your big guys, your elves, your everything, so on and so forth there that do seem to coincide with one another. Uh, it's, it's, 
the targeting, you can see the targeting, the, tar- the targeting in an MMO. I'm I'm a little I'm a little less about that because that that's been promised many times, including by Lineage Two, um, where it was supposed to be true action combat with targeting, what never has really happened. But um, tack on so the we, political system at the end too, which and the political about, yeah. system as well. Yes, that's which pretty, was something that yeah. they had talked about. They had talked about for Lineage Two, but never got put into Lineage Two, and had talked about putting into Lineage Three. So there's a lot of stuff here where we can see where that that's coming through at the same point. I don't know. I'm on the fence. Like I understand that NCSoft wants to protect their IP and whatever. My problem is why did they wait so damn long? Yeah. But again, we don't, they have been going, been going through on for, courts for I think a, said long 2009. Time, a long time. So it's, it, you can't expect it to be rushed when it has to go through the courts, as you know. So, and, and I, I, at this point here, because we don't know for certain anything, I certainly don't want to make it seem as if I'm taking sides. And I, I, dude, I, we've made it clear. I want to play this game so badly, it's unbelievable. That said, though, when you read about how the developers left, and was it 45 or 45 percent of the dev they team? It was like 45 out of about 100. 100. So 45 percent. Yeah. yeah. So left. And took off because essentially one of them was not happy with how it was going. And then when they started up Blue Hole Studios, all of a sudden they're using a lot of the same assets, a lot of the, the engine, a lot of the concepts well, no, we that they were the engine. The engine the engine's the third-party engine. Now, the only thing that I, we can throw the engine out there, and I'm going to say that right now, because unless they're using the license that was purchased by NCSoft to use the engine, it's the Unreal Engine. Okay, concepts of the game of what was going to be happening see the 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 problem that i'm having here and this is something we've discussed at length too is uh, off air is that if in fact these people were hired to work on and we'll call it lineage three and lineage three was to have this political system this targeting in an mmo the all of the races as defined the map the concepts of the story and things like that and they were hired to work on that and they did work on that as part of of uh, of NCSoft. And then they decide they're going to leave and they take some of that with them, which they were charged and it went through appeal even. And it's going through a second appeal, but it did go through an appeal and they lost it. I, I believe it was two people. Um, so it was proven that they did steal some stuff. Now, let's just, we're, I don't want to assume, but let's just say that they did steal all of the other concepts as well and now they developed it into theirs now some people may say yeah well everybody when they leave one company takes some of their knowledge or whatever to work on another thing so, uh, that's all well and good however if i come up say with an idea as i have say for my series of of books that i'm working on i build the groundwork and i write all of the outlines and i lay all the foundation work for my books and I'm working with somebody who's given me a hand with it and whatnot. The, the uh, idea being that we're going to work towards it. And then they decide, no, they're going to leave. And they take all of this information and then they write their books and then they release them. If we worked on them on it together, or if in this case I had contracted them out and I was paying them to help me with it and they did that, I would have every right to be trying to stop that doesn't matter that they went forth with the ideal and built their own from there that foundation is something that i paid for that we that was to be with with me part of my project so in this case here again if they took all of that stuff built their own game from that point but using the foundation that linear that ncsoft paid them for 
that's wrong. It's just point blank wrong. And I don't care if people use the argument, yeah, but it happens all the time. You know what? There's a lot of shit that happens all the time that don't make it right. Now that this is moving over from the Korean courts and now into the American courts because now you know, it's officially coming out in America and all this stuff, there's actually precedent for this. Um, I don't know if any of you – because you know, I work in retail, so I know these things. Any of you are familiar with those stupid Bratz dolls that were very popular several years ago? Yeah, I know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, unfortunately. Okay. Go into a store and try to find them now. They, they went from taking up an entire aisle to a small sliver of it because the guy who created those dolls – worked for Mattel working on Barbie. And then he left and less than a year later had that line out. Well, guess who got sued and guess who won that lawsuit? And that's why that entire brand now doesn't exist for the better part. So there, there's a lot of precedent for this in American courts, more so than in Korea. So it, I'm really frightened by this. Based on everything that we've read before as well, with even without making assumptions, the game, the, the developers have had this lots of problems throughout. And so when you read this then, and you are reading, especially about, again, the fact that some of them were convicted in court and through appeals of theft, then guess what? <laughs> that means that they stole at least something that was to be part of the other game, part of Lineage 3. Now, it doesn't matter what you thought of Lineage 1 and 2. It doesn't matter what you think of the company for making promises of what Lineage 2 or 3 would, should be, whatever. The fact is, is if if they had it, if they were paying these people to work on these concepts, to work on this type of game and everything, and then all of a sudden, you know, 48 of the 100 plus people leave and all of a sudden they make a game based using all of that, it's wrong. It's just point blank wrong. And I don't think that they, I, if in fact that is what's happened, I, I find it very hard to support them afterwards. You know, it's, to me, it's still theft of intellectual property. And that is something that I, I can't support. Well, I understand that. I guess we're, I don't know. We're I'm, still I'm too much in the dark. We're still too much in the dark, and that's exactly yeah. it. we don't know enough. Yeah, and we it could be it could be nothing. It could be something. It could be that NC stuff's one hundred percent right. It could be NC stuff's you know wrong. We won't know. We don't know what happened. Yeah, people, especially with the recent trend of people claiming, uh, you know, other people stealing their their intellectual property, it's turned into from wow that really sucks to is this person crying wolf or not, and I don't know and. And there may sure, be they... some of that because NCSoft has not has been seeing diminishing sales. So, of course, when they see something that is going to be strong competition for them, they are going to try to do something to to squash that. If, in fact, that's, you know, that's what they're doing. It could be any number of things. And we simply don't know at this point. And and again, we, we, we've talked to these guys. They were phenomenal guys. Very nice. You can tell that they are working hard on it. And see, this is where I have this 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 problem where I hate to not support something when I know that, yeah, it's, it's like saying, going back to, again, that, that base foundation has already been done and let's just say that it was stolen, but then they built from there something absolutely beautiful kind of thing. You, you still want to be able to appreciate what they, what they did in and of themselves 
<laughs> kind of thing. But it's hard to do that when you know that the root of it, that, that foundation, was something that may have been stolen. I'm, I'm really hoping that isn't the case. I'm really hoping that... The, it gets worked out and that's not the, the what actually occurred there because I want to be able to appreciate the hard work that they've put into it and when we've heard about all the stuff that they're doing in the game goddamn, I want to be able to experience that alright we're going to cut out at that thanks for joining us tonight and the next show of course is going to be our fantastic 100th episode which one would think that we would have planned ahead for this and know what we're doing we didn't plan ahead for the last 99 but we really didn't but it will be awesome. How do I know that? Because there will be liquor involved. So that's that. So we <laughs> will see you next week for our 100th episode. If you need to reach us, of course, at ForTheLore at gmail.com or on Twitter at ForTheLore. We'll talk to you guys next week. Two weeks ago, I started taking a unique and interesting look at the lore of Elder Scrolls V Skyrim by way of the Daedric Artifact quests. We've made it halfway through the path to the Oblivion Walker achievement, and now it's time to finish our quest. Mafala, otherwise known as the Spider, is the Master of Secrets. Her quest, The Whispering Door, is the only one which requires you to speak to an innkeeper first. Any time after killing the first dragon, talk to Hulda at the Bannered Mare in Whiterun. She'll tell you a rumor about the Jarl's children. When you go to investigate, the Jarl will ask you to speak to his son, the bad-tempered youth usually found in Dragon's Reach. The child, Nelkir, explains that there is a door in the castle where the Whispering Lady tells him secrets. Of course, the Whispering Lady turns out to be Mafala, and a fragment of her power is locked in the room, requiring you to unlock the door. The Jarl and his court wizard Ferengar Secretfire both have keys, but Ferengar is the easier of two. Either pick his pocket or take the key from his corpse, and Mephalo will give you her ebony blade. This two-handed sword will drain health from your enemies, and will grow stronger if you use it to kill those who think they are your friends. Meridia, the master of life and light, is one of the few good Daedra, and her quest, The Break of Dawn, is a must for heroic characters. To begin, travel to the Shrine of Meridia, northwest of Solitude, where the Daedra will ask you to retrieve her beacon. It's also possible to find the beacon first and begin the quest that way, but the beacon spawns in a random place, so it's not that easy to do. Once the beacon is secured, Meridia will task you with cleansing her temple of a necromancer. The temple is fairly straightforward, and your reward is the sword Dawnbreaker, one of the most unique weapon models in the game and a bane of all undead. Molag Ball cares only for punishing mortals for their mere existence. An abandoned house in Markarth is the starting point of his quest, the House of Horrors. A vigilant of Stendar waits outside and asks you to accompany him inside. The house is clearly possessed and a voice tells you to kill the vigilant. With that done, a path opens to an altar where you are imprisoned and essentially forced to obey Molag Ball's will. Ball's mace lies on the altar, rusted and powerless. He commands you to hunt down the one responsible, a priest in the service of Molag Ball's chief rival, the Daedra Boethia. Bring the priest back so Molag Ball can have his revenge, and the mace is yours. Namira, Lord of Rot and Revulsion, 
is the danger behind one of the game's most disturbing quests, the Taste of Death. Head to my least favorite city, Markarth, and enter Understone Keep. Speak with Brother Verilus, the master of Markarth's Hall of the Dead. The hall has been closed because bodies are being desecrated, even eaten. When you investigate, a voice beckons you to feed upon the dead, and a woman named Aeola will invite you to a cave. Once the two of you defeat the Draugr inside, Aeola will give you your true task, return with Brother Verilus for the feast. With the Guest of Honor present, Aeola offers the first bite to you, and Namira grants you her blessing and her ring, which will restore health any time you feast on the flesh of the dead. Periite is a difficult Daedra to describe. The weakest of the Daedra, he balances the natural order of things, with disease being his primary interest. In your travels, you may meet an afflicted refugee who will guide you to a healer northeast of Markarth. Otherwise, you can go there yourself to begin the next quest, The Only Cure. After fetching the healer Kesh a grocery list of supplies, you can speak directly to Periite. One of his priests, or Chendor, was put in charge of a group of plague survivors, but has since gone astray. Head to the dwarven ruin Bethardoms and kill him to gain Periite's favor. Bethardoms is a standard dwarven ruin with all the mechanics and traps, but the disease festering within makes for some unique visuals. It's definitely a place you'll want to visit. And your reward for all this is Spellbreaker, a powerful shield that will protect against magic. Master of Revelry and Indulgence, Sanguine is a fun Daedra to interact with. His quest, A Night to Remember, was actually the first Daedra quest I happened across that started this whole journey. Anytime after level 14, a man named San Guiven will show up in pubs and taverns across Skyrim. He will challenge you to a drinking contest, eventually leading you to black out. You get woken up by a very angry priestess in Markarth with no idea what happened in the intervening time. The rest of the quest is retracing your steps and settling everything right after what had to be a very adventurous night out. When you finally reach the end, Sanguine will thank you for playing along with his fun and give you the Sanguine Rose, a staff which will summon Dramora to fight for you. Sheogorath is the Prince of Madness, and his quest, The Mind of Madness, is another fun one. Near the Blue Palace in Solitude, a beggar named Dervinin will complain that his master has gone missing, having tea with a friend in the Pelagius Wing of the palace. Obtain a key from a member of the staff and enter the wing. Soon you will be transported to what can be best described as the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. In attendance are Sheogorath himself and Pelagius III, the long-dead Mad Emperor, whose very mind is the landscape you find yourself in. Sheogorath lets you leave, but first you must set Pelagius' mind at ease. He gives you the magic staff, the Wabajack, which transmutes people into random objects. Use this to help out the Mad Emperor, and once complete, Sheogorath sends you home and lets you keep it. Our final Daedra is Vermina, Lord of Nightmares. The city of Dawnstar is beset by terrible nightmares. Inside the inn, the priest Erendur will ask you to accompany him to Nightcaller Temple and put a stop to them, starting the quest Waking Nightmare. The temple was once home to Vermina's priests, but they unleashed a terrible miasma while under attack by orcs putting all of them into a deep sleep. As you make your way through the temple, various dream visions tell the story of the priests and even have you learn a thing or two about Erendur. 
Eventually, you will reach the source of the nightmares, and Vermina will issue a command. Act quickly, otherwise you will miss your opportunity to collect her artifact, the Skull of Corruption, a staff that will deal increased damage if you first absorb the dreams of sleeping citizens. And that brings our long journey to an end. The Daedric quests may not be important to the core story of Skyrim, but they are definitely the most interesting quests available. They offer a unique look at the lore of the world and offer many connections between the various Elder Scrolls games, which is a rare thing in Skyrim. Sure, you'll have to sell your soul 15 times over to complete them all, but true power always has a price. Okay, so with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap for tonight. Thanks to uh, everybody for coming to join us. And, uh, oh my God, terrible outtake. I'm blaming the, the meds. Oh. So, we're going <laughs> to... See, no, I can't do it. <laughs> Dude, I've got four quests left. Oh, it's killing me. <laughs> it's seriously just driving me nuts. Okay. <laughs> Well, you should fall over on the ice more often. <laughs> it really that was you. not. That was not fun today, man. Let me tell you. I, I, I was going to respond with just put some ice on it, but I, that would have been bad form. Bad form. <laughs> what the hell was that? That would be R two D two. Okay then. It makes perfect sense. Renee Renee has a R two D two keychain. Her freaking computer is not working, so she's she's playing here. She's playing keychain. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? I'm playing keychain for the next foreseeable thirty minutes. Dude, you had to see her when we're in the store and we're like we're in Toys R Us, and she's like, ah! and she like grabs like the giant R two D two plus. She's like, but it's really expensive and I can't justify it. So then we're walking through the aisles and she's carrying it with her. And she's like every now and then squeezing it. And she goes to the aisles and she sees like the keychains and one of them is Vader, one of them is Chewy, one of them is C-3PO, and one of them is R2-D. So she's like, yes! And she grabs it. It's like the last one. And she's been playing, she's been pushing the damn thing ever since. Like, if I don't pay attention to her, like, stop it! Like that. She's like, has to push it. Like, I had to, like, she's waiting all night to push the goddamn button on the thing. Don't worry, the batteries will die eventually. Okay. No, she'll she'll replace them. Now that you guys are done talking about pushing buttons and batteries, maybe we'll end this. <laughs>